just as President Biden contends with war on the continent of Europe, it's to Washington, D.C. we go for Simon Marks' American Week. Tom, let's start with the big question of the hour, the day and the week. It was asked of President Biden at a White House event last weekend. Mr. President, should Americans be worried about nuclear war? No. That string quartet playing in the background there only underscoring possible comparisons to the band that played on as the Titanic went down. President Biden telling Americans with a single no that there's no need to panic. The Washington Post would soon publish an article letting us know that after consulting a slew of Russia experts, most of whom have got Vladimir Putin entirely wrong for the last 20 years, they all agreed there was no cause for concern. But some people are worried, especially given the events that played out last night right in the middle of America's prime time. These are live images, Europe's largest nuclear power plant, the largest one on the continent. And this moment, it's reportedly being shelled by Russian troops. Ukraine's foreign minister tweeting this just a moment ago, and I'm quoting directly now, fire has already broken out. If it blows up, it will be 10 times larger than Chernobyl. Shepard Smith there on CNBC, Anderson Cooper on CNN. As the night went on, we all learnt that in fact the fire had broken out beyond the perimeter of the power plant in a training building. But the Russians last night turned another page in their scorched earth onslaught of Ukraine. President Biden burnt the phone lines not only to President Zelensky as the power plant came under attack, but also to his own undersecretary for nuclear security. The International Atomic Energy Agency's chief was urging the Russians to stand down. And by the time Friday dawned, the US had seen enough. Its embassies in Moscow and Kiev today simultaneously declared the Russian attack a war crime. This is the worst uh, military aggression in Europe for decades. NATO's Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg speaking at Alliance headquarters in Brussels today. With the cities under siege, schools, hospitals and residential buildings shelled, reckless actions around a nuclear power plant last night and many civilians killed or wounded. The days to come are likely to be worse, with more death, more suffering and more destruction, as the Russian armed forces bring in heavier weaponry and continue their attacks across the country. Despite President Zelensky's pleas for the creation of a no-fly zone and NATO support tackling that Russian convoy stalled in its progress towards Kiev, once again the US and its NATO allies demurred. On a no-fly zone, uh, it was mentioned uh, uh, at the same time uh, allies agree that uh, we should not have uh, NATO planes operating over Ukrainian airspace or NATO troops on uh, uh, Ukrainian territory. Visiting NATO today, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, hours after we learnt that, yes, America is now sharing intelligence in real time with the Ukrainians and that the Pentagon has now established a hotline with senior Russian military commanders. The precise terms of its use are unclear, but it's part of a deconfliction effort aimed at avoiding misunderstandings over Russian movements in Ukraine. The Secretary of State didn't have much to say this morning, but he did repeat the Allies' determination to avoid being sucked into war with Russia over Ukraine. Ours is a defensive alliance. We seek no conflict. But if conflict comes to us, 
we're ready for it. But as last night's crisis at the nuclear plant indicated, the slope towards conflict between Russia and the US would be very easy to slip on. And is nuclear tipped? The now sanctioned Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov warned again this week that President Putin will, if necessary, engage in a nuclear strike against NATO targets. In his State of the Union address on Tuesday, President Biden insisted that the US can walk the line. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. Stirring stuff, a speech that told Americans the crisis is at the heart of America's need to prove that democracies can triumph over autocracies like Russia and China. It's the battle for the 21st century, said the president. And he said it's already clear that Vladimir Putin badly underestimated the strength of Ukrainian resolve, allied unity and U.S. determination. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. <laughs> the United States Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for your ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. He has no idea what's coming. But Vladimir Putin will have taken note of the fact that the president's speech contained not one single demand of him. And since it was made, the only thing that has been unleashed are more American sanctions. Last night, the U.S. even targeting Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, and Yevgeny Prigozhin. He's known as Putin's chef because his restaurants and catering businesses have hosted numerous dinners for foreign dignitaries visiting Moscow. The White House is literally trying to make things a little hot in the Kremlin's kitchen, but not at the risk of higher prices at America's petrol pumps. Less supply raises prices, uh, and that is certainly a big factor. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki asked yesterday to explain how standing up for Ukrainian democracy is consistent with the U.S. continuing to buy Russian oil and even carving payments for it out of America's sanctions regime. Obviously, we have not held back in taking uh, significant historic uh, steps that are uh, crippling the Russian economy uh, right now. But what factor we're looking at here is the impact on uh, the gas pump for Americans uh, and reduction of supply 
uh, in the marketplace, a reduction of global supply would have an impact on raising prices. So that's the prism that we look at it through. In other words, Ukrainian democracy is lovely. Ukraine's territorial integrity is important. But keeping American motorists happy, well, even more so. Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat Speaker of the House of Representatives, is now looking at the issue through a different prism. And she represents a district in California where petrol prices have already risen above the $5 a gallon mark. Where do you stand? I'm, a, I'm all for that. Ban it. Ban the oil. Ban the oil come from Russia, yep. It seems highly likely that by the time you hear next week's American Week, that eventuality will have occurred. The UN Security Council is back in emergency session right now, the attack on the nuclear plant under the microscope. Earlier this week, an emergency meeting of the full UN General Assembly, only the 11th in history, overwhelmingly condemned Russia's invasion. Only Syria, Belarus, North Korea and Eritrea sided with with Russia as Ukraine started demanding a review of Moscow's right to continue enjoying the power of the veto in the Security Council. To the Russian soldiers sent to the front lines of an unjust, unnecessary war, I say your leaders are lying to you. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield, on Wednesday accusing the Russians of using cluster bombs against Ukrainian civilians and other weapons banned under the Geneva Convention. Do not commit war crimes. Do everything you can to put down your weapons and leave Ukraine. The truth is that this war was one man's choice and one man alone. President Putin. But the chances of Putin's forces or any other Russians hearing those words have receded by the hour this week. The Kremlin is in full clampdown against the very limited ability of people inside Russia's borders to encounter news that isn't part of its propaganda operation. At least Americans are no longer hearing the misinformation pumped out for years by Kremlin propaganda channel RT. Last night, citing unexpected events, presumably an inability to get payments from Moscow, its American branch collapsed. It laid off all its staff and silenced studios that for more than a decade have spewed anti-American vitriol from a state-of-the-art facility a quarter of a mile from the White House. No American president has been willing to touch it. It was laid low by the actions of Vladimir Putin himself. It would be like allowing Lord Hawhaw to broadcast from studios in Whitehall during the Second World War, freedom of speech as the reason and waiting for a lack of Nazi cash to take him off the air. They didn't do this on Trump's watch, Russia, because Trump would have kicked their ass. Taking full advantage of freedom of speech last night, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. What's happened is that Putin looks at Biden, he sized him up, he thinks he can get away with it, and he's going to keep going and going and going, and nobody in the West is going to stop him. He spoke on Fox News and on Twitter asked if there isn't someone out there in Moscow who might do for Vladimir Putin what Brutus did for Caesar. Since the assassination of foreign leaders is actually not part of the Republicans' current credo, leading figures have moved quickly to condemn that call. But the Republicans have been all over the map this week. Now, Russia has gotten in deeper than they ever thought possible. For Former President Donald Trump, who last week called Vladimir Putin savvy, this week had found a new religion. I think they're in much deeper than they thought, to a certain extent because of the, the weapons that I gave and that the Ukrainians used so well.
I mean, they used so well. Amazing. And to think, it was Spike Milligan who wrote a humorous memoir entitled Adolf Hitler, My Part in His Downfall. Trump's downfall may have been advanced this week by news that the House of Representatives Select Committee, investigating last year's January insurrection on Capitol Hill, says it's now amassed enough evidence to make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. It could soon fall to the Attorney General to decide whether to pursue Donald Trump for conspiracy to commit fraud and obstruction over his continuing flatly false claims that the 2020 election was rigged. We should not lose sight of COVID-19 here. Another 12,000 deaths were linked to the virus in America this week, but fatalities are down 26% over the last 14 days. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis, likely to be the frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination if Donald Trump were in any way sidelined, this week berated a group of students who showed up for an event at the University of South Florida wearing face masks. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this coach's theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. I don't know. That size suggested it's not that good to be at USF. Kudos to the one student, by the way, who kept his mask on. He's going places. I have heard this week about some residents of Washington who are also preparing to go places. People quietly packing evacuation bags so they're ready to leave if the nuclear threat from the Kremlin intensifies. With enough warning and not much traffic, you could probably get to the outer reaches of West Virginia before a blast engulfs the U.S. Capitol. President Biden did something unusual this week. Normally, within the opening minutes of the State of the Union address, every president, regardless of the vicissitudes besetting the country, insists to rapturous applause that the State of the Union is strong. But Joe Biden didn't get to that until the final moments of his address. I've come to report on the State of the Nation, the State of the Union, and my report is this. The State of the Union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. We are stronger today. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. And we'll be stronger a year from now. Will we? That's quite a hostage to fortune for a country bending over backwards to avoid goading Vladimir Putin or otherwise slipping into conflict with him for fear the madman in the Kremlin might go nuclear. For 20 years, US policy has been dominated by a desire never to overreact to whatever the Russian leader does. Today, Tom, it's the people of Ukraine who are paying the ultimate price for that. Live from Washington, D.C. with his American Week, LBC's Simon Marks. It's five o'clock. The Russian forces have taken command of the place. They are controlling the access, they are securing the, the, the place. Basically, they are in charge. Russian forces take control of Europe's biggest nuclear power station in southern Ukraine. The UN confirms no radioactive material has been released, but says the situation is unstable. Meanwhile... The days to come are likely to be worse, with more death, more suffering and more destruction. NATO says the attacks on Ukraine represents the worst military aggression in Europe for decades, but warns the worst is still ahead. And he started off with 
the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Well, that has turned about two and a half feet. What a start for Shane Warne. Australian cricketer Shane Warne dies age 52. On your radio, on Global Player, and... Play LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC.